Investor intelligence provides general information only. You should consider seeking independent advice to see how this information relates to your unique circumstances. Please refer to the terms and conditions available at investorintelligence.com.au for more. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Investor Intelligence, brought to you by the team at The Property Mentors. It's your weekly podcast for all things investment and hosted by me, Phoebe Sikowski-Wallace. Joining me today is our in-house investment expert and just all-round great guy, Luke Harris. <laughs> Hi, Luke. Hi, Phoebe. How are you? Very well, thank you. So I'm excited to have you here today uh, for today's topic because it's a little different to what you and I would usually sit down and talk about. Um, but before we get into that, let's give the listeners a little update on where we as an office have been recently and what we've been up to. Would you like to? I'll, I'll, I'll give a hint that... Uh... We went to Thailand and it was nice and sunny and mm. we're in Melbourne now and it's raining outside. Uh, it's meant to be spring, but it's quite cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can't trust the weather apps. So don't <laughs> even bother with those. But yeah, we were so lucky to go to Thailand for six days. Warm weather. We got to meet elephants. We went on a boat tour. Pretty much massages, I think, about just about every day. So we're very lucky to do that. What was your highlight? You forgot to mention the cocktails. I think. Oh my the, god! Sorry, the cocktails. The, the just whole on team tap, had yeah. a, had a bit of fun uh, checking out Thailand. Some of us uh, hadn't been to Thailand before, so it was mm. a really good trip for uh, everybody at the property mentors to to go and enjoy some sunshine and have a bit of a break before we uh, step into the last part of the year. Mm, and we missed all that horrendous rain that was happening in Melbourne too, so pretty good timing. That's it. <laughs> but we're very grateful for that trip, so thank you so much for that. So, Luke, today we are talking about being a tight ass. That's it. So we recently published a fantastic article on this topic called Your Guide to Being a Tight Ass in Tough Times. So that's obviously a very fitting for now, you know, with inflation remaining stubbornly high and interest rates increasing, people are really feeling that and, you know, the costs are kind of adding up. Um, I mean this in the best way possible. And no, no, you won't take offense to this because you encourage people to, to do the same. But you are not only an uh, expert in investment, but you're well versed in being a tight ass, not in the sense that you don't like to spend money, but in the sense that you're always looking for ways to save money where you can. Is that a fair statement? I'm a tight ass. Mm. I've got no no issue with that. But you're right. Like, I've got no issue with um, spending money. Mm. There's no problem with, with spending money. But I think from a very young age, I learned that it's very easy to waste money. Yeah. Easy come, easy go. So, you know, if you, if you don't care about your finances... It's very easy for other people to care more than you and, and all of a sudden it evaporates out of your hands into somebody else's. Yeah, and I know a lot of people really weren't taught things like the value of money when they were young and that has kind of carried over into their life for sure. I yeah. know so many people who can't save to, to save their life oh, essentially. 100%. And the thing is is that you know we don't get taught this stuff in yeah. school and I had to go out of my way as a, as a teenager to learn about money and learn about saving and how I could you know really understand the, the the world as far as money and currencies and 
savings and, and lending and all of the financial side of it, budgeting even. You yeah. Know, things that you just really don't get taught in school. Yeah. And, um, you know, you have to proactively seek this stuff and most people don't do that or, or don't understand that they should do that. For sure. And we definitely live in this sort of instant gratification world where we've basically got everything at our fingertips. We can order clothes, we can order groceries, you know, the latest tech gadgets, but just about anything else. And that sort of I need it now mindset, but that's also kind of the mindset that gets a lot of us Australians into a lot of debt. Well, it's actually been planned that way. It's not that I need it now, it's I can get it now. Yeah. So that was not that was not set up because the consumer wanted it now. It was set up because businesses thought, hey, everyone's got the ability to order something from their phone while they're sitting on the couch, sitting on a train, mm. you know, sitting in an airport lounge waiting for the plane. Wherever you are, you can now buy something. Yeah. Whereas previously you had to actually go to the retail store and you had to go and walk in and actually purchase it. But now um, the uh, business world has found a way to get in front of us 24 hours a day. Yeah. Um, and it's made it a lot easier for people to buy. And it's also made it a lot easier for people to buy things that they don't want or don't need. Mm. So they've purposely made it too easy. They've made it too easy and we've fallen for the convenience of being mm. able to order anything you want. Right. Food delivery, clothes, like you said, anything that you want really. You can mm. sit on your phone and order it from your couch. Um, and, you know, there's even alcohol places. They deliver within two hours. Um, oh, less. You know, <laughs> there's, <laughs> Depends where you uh, live, you know, yeah. There's, there's food delivery. It's two minutes where I live. So. Well, that's it. You know, the food delivery, you can have any anything you really want, any food type. Um, in most areas, you can get, you know, within 30 minutes, you can have any cuisine if you live in a capital city. And, um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of convenience associated with that. But often that means that you're spending more than you, you really should be. Yeah, it's wild. And and then when it comes to investing, not only do you need to have funds available to do so, but you also need to make sure that your financials are in order, you know, have a good credit score, have little or no bad debt, and also have a bit of a financial buffer. So what kind of comes to mind when I say that? Well, one of the first things when you're talking about a bad debt is things like afterpay and those consumer type um, debt uh, products where you can actually go and buy something now and when you get paid in a few weeks time, you can pay it off. Mm. But you're always playing catch up with things like that. So even though it's an easy option, it's been designed to be easy so that you can buy things that you can't necessarily afford. If you don't have the money in your bank account to buy it, don't buy it. Mm. Um, you know, so it's something that I learned from a young age as well is that if it goes up in value, buy it. If it goes down in value, lease it. So mm. something like a car, for example, you can lease it. If it's um, technology equipment, you can you can lease it. If it's a business expense, you can it's tax deductible. Um, but for most people, um, it's too easy to go and buy something that depreciates in value, doesn't go up in value, doesn't add to your net worth. Things like clothes, um, new phones, mm. any any new tech that comes out. There's always always new tech coming out that people want to buy the latest headphones or whatever yeah, it might must be. Yeah, must have the latest, and, yeah. And yeah, that's all great stuff. But the thing is, is that it's not going to add to your net worth and it's certainly not going to help you build wealth. So understanding how these, you know, I guess small purchasing decisions can affect your long-term wealth, mm. it's extremely important that people really put things into perspective. So, you know, if you're looking at, New headphones, there, you know, you can buy them for 50 bucks off eBay. Mm. Um, or, you know, Big W, Kmart, they have cheap options. Sure, the quality is not as good, but, you know, if you go and buy the new Apple ones, they're $899. Do you need that, or is that really going to affect your 
ability to save for a deposit. Yeah. And I think a lot of people now, and I, I've got friends and family and other people uh, close to me that, that fall into this trap that they're always either paying off a previous purchase that they made or they're paying off a credit card where they've put a big ticket item like a washing machine or something like mm. that um, on, on the credit card. And it's really hard because you get into a trap of always paying things off or always saving for a small item. So if you're looking at a new laptop, it's $1,000. Um, you, you save up for that. You go buy that or a new TV or these these things that break, right? They don't last forever. So a lot of tech companies, they've got this planned obsolescence built into into their, their whole business model in that a phone is only meant to last you two or three years and yeah. a laptop is only meant to last you two or three years so that you can buy another one from them. Um, and, you know, years ago, you know, a TV, it was built with, with – actual timber it had a wooden frame around it you know these things were built and they'd last forever if the tech was able to but you know things like software upgrades and things it's built into the whole system in this consumer market that we're in so that things do have an expiry date so that you have to upgrade and there's you know software that doesn't work anymore Mm. if you still had the original iphone the case is probably working still. The buttons probably still work. If you haven't cracked your screen, that probably would still work. But the problem is the software and um, you know the battery life and things like that. There's things that need to be upgraded that they mm-hmm. just don't work anymore. So that's all built in to the system. And I think this is why a lot of people fall fall victim to always having the latest and greatest. Yeah. Uh, and you don't necessarily need that. It doesn't help for your long-term wealth creation. It's so funny because I think everyone actually knows that. I think they know that phones and, and tech is actually designed to not last and yep. to basically just get worse as you use it. A friend of mine in Perth, he uh, every time there's a new iPhone, guaranteed he's taken a picture of his old iPhone. I'm not sure how he does that uh, <laughs> with his phone. Um, but he's advertising it on Facebook because he's selling it and upgrading to the next one. Mm, I and, know a lot of people that do that. And really, and maybe there is some sense in changing it over before it gets too far out of date. Uh, but things like that, you know, always spending an eighteen hundred or two thousand dollars on a new phone, mm. it, it doesn't make sense if you're not in in the position to do that financially. You know, for some people, that's a huge chunk of their annual income. Yeah. And mind you, we're talking after-tax income here. Mm-hmm. Uh, for most people, if you're a business owner, it's a different story because it's most likely a business expense. But for for a lot of PAYG employees, and especially for people that are listening to this that are wanting to build a portfolio and invest, really need to be mindful of where your money's going. Yeah. So I think one of the things about being a tight ass is understanding where your money's going first. Where do you actually spend your money? where's the leakage and the slippage? Where are you wasting money? Mm. And where can you get some efficiencies on what you're doing to try and get ahead? Because I guess the tough part about investing is that if you haven't got started with your property portfolio or you haven't, you know, whether you're buying shares or whatever you're going to invest in, it it seems daunting for a lot of people because it's such a big thing to actually do. Mm. Saving a deposit for a property is really hard to do. Prices keep going up and interest rates and, and so forth and inflation. There's other pressures on people being able to save that deposit and when you're looking at you know the ability to go and buy a new phone or a laptop or a plasma plasma screen the led now um led tv or whatever it might be or even book a holiday or something it's a it's a small win right it gives you that that gratification right now that you know i've been working for this whole month and i haven't done anything for me right so i'm going to go and buy a new tv for the bedroom or Mm. i'm going to book a holiday to bali or do whatever 
and you know you get these small wins throughout the year that sort of make all of this worthwhile right i'm going to work every day i'm you know slogging it out every day so i'm going to treat myself mm-hmm. and that's what a lot of people end up doing because they, they sort of need some pleasures for the work that they're doing mm-hmm. and that's an emotional decision that people make and they say well i'm earning all this money i'm going to spend it mm-hmm. right after what's gone on my electricity bill and they keep, they keep going up rent keeps going up all these other cost of living pressures food keeps going up so a lot of people are seeing these pressures coming straight out of their bank account and they're going I need something for me I need some gratification for me something yeah. that I can actually reward myself for all this work that I'm doing and this is where people will go out and they get frustrated because they want a new car upgrade the the you know the the home that they're living in maybe rent something a little bit nicer or buy something nicer get get in this trap of constantly upgrading various parts of your life and never really actually getting ahead yeah yeah and it's really hard if you haven't actually got a grasp on where your money's going because if you can't measure where your money's going, you can't improve it. Mm. You can't change it. And so really understanding where your money's going, doing a budget and knowing where your finances are at at any point in time can allow you to have that first step to making better decisions. Mm. Yeah, so practicing delayed gratification is definitely it's, something that yeah, a lot of people could use. Yeah, practicing, but also understanding delayed gratification. Yeah. Now, um, you know, so, like I said, saving a deposit for a property is very hard. But, you know, if you're in this cycle of working really hard, seeing all of your, you know, when you get paid every week or every fortnight, your money goes towards your rent, it goes towards your food, power bill, electricity mm. bills, um, all of these things going out. You've got your insurance on your car. You know, by the time you... you you go through that whole process there's not a lot left and this is where people will say well i deserve a new tv or i deserve a holiday or i deserve this and that's where the money goes mm. now it's hard to break that cycle and get ahead and i know a lot of people in this situation it's it is tough uh, don't get me wrong it is tough to to go through that because if you are putting in big hours at work and then you're coming home and out of your pay every every pay cycle there's not much left, mm. you know, how do you break out of that? So the, the way to do that is to understand uh, your living expenses. Maybe you're renting something in an area that's costing you too much. It mm. might be time to change to another area. Um, and I don't mean that everyone should just pack up and go because their rent's too high. But at the same time, it's understanding how your goals fit in with your current expenses. Yeah. So if you've got really big goals and you want to get your first property and you want to get started in investing, well, maybe you shouldn't be spending you know, 40% of your income on rent. Mm. Um, and this is where you have to make a decision. I'm telling you that you should go and rent something cheaper, but you need to put things into perspective. So if you want to really get started in investing in property, then you need to do everything you can to get that deposit as soon as you can. The longer you wait to get started on that journey, saving $50 a week or $100 a week, it might seem like it's going to take forever, mm. but you've got to have a day one. You've got to get started. And you know, just saving that first $50, $100, it might take you a while to get to $1,000, might take you a while to get to $5,000 or $10,000, but there's things along the way that you can do. Mm. Um you know, like sharing your Netflix account, right? Yeah. Find a find a mate that's got, you know, maybe maybe a slightly higher income and, and borrow their Netflix <laughs> yeah. account and say, Hey, I need some help for twelve months. I'm yeah. trying to get trying to get ahead financially. Can I borrow your Netflix login? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, those little things that, you know, eleven dollars ninety nine a month or mm. whatever it is going out of your bank account 
it's a very small amount, but it happens regularly. Yeah. And a lot of the time people will have that, but then they'll have five others mm. as well. Mm. And that, that turns out to hundreds of dollars a month going out yeah. of your bank account. Yeah, yeah. You know, so those little things that you can do, it all adds up. And especially if you're trying to save with what you've got now, you might not have a huge amount left now. But imagine if you could go through all of your expenses and try and find an extra $50 a week mm. that you're already spending you're giving it to someone else already. Mm. So if you can only save $50 a week yourself, try and find where you're spending money now that you could save another $50 because yeah. you're already spending it. So it's not necessarily about finding money that you don't have. It's finding money that you do have, but you're giving away. Great. So I, I have a couple of questions from everything you've just said there. Speaking of deposits, talk about how you saved for your first deposit. So mind you, this was a while ago. Um, We're talking over 20 years ago now, but the process is still the same. Um, I was 19, uh, ran my own business in Perth. And what I did was I I worked. I worked my butt off. I was working, you know, six days, sometimes seven days a week to try and get as much work done as I could so that I could save. Mm -hmm. So I was doing everything I could proactively on the income side of things to get as much income as possible. On the other side, on my expenses side of things, I was trying to minimize my expenses. Mm. So you've got to try and tackle this from two different angles. One, get as much income as you can, and two, minimize your expenses as much as you can. If you're just trying to do one, it's going to take a bit longer. So there's no point in doing an extra shift at work on the weekend if you then go shopping and waste all of your money. You know, because you're not being smart about it. So I was self-employed, so I had the ability to go and work more. Some people might be on a fixed income and not able to go and just do more shifts or mm-hmm. get more more hours. But, you know, there's plenty of gig economy type things. There's Airtasker. You've got probably skills that you can use there. Um, things like, you know, driving Uber or DD or something like that where you can go and get some income. Um, those things are good. But for me, when I was saving my first deposit, it was really just hustling in yeah. my security business to get as many uh, hours done as I could there. On the expenses side of things, I was able to save money where – um, getting into um, getting into my first property, I knew that it was going to be a huge deposit. So I really ate basic food. Mm. I was 19. I didn't really care so much. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I didn't go and buy the most expensive stuff. I really bought the cheapest meat that I could afford and I could, you know, ate a lot of pasta. Um, mind you, my metabolism was different as a 19-year-old <laughs> as it is to now. But, you know, I ate a lot of, a lot of really basic food. I didn't go out. I bought drinks. Um, to have friends around at my house to um, to have drinks there before we before we went out, you know, a lot of friends would go out and they spend hundreds of dollars nightclubbing and at bars. So all of these little things that I did was little efficiencies to try and save money along the way. So that I was increasing the income, reducing the expenses, and just really, you know, what we say is head down, ass up, saving my guts out. Mm. And I just saved and saved and saved, and I knew that I had an end goal, and I made sure that I didn't lose focus of that. Yeah. And I think the hardest thing for people is that it feels like it's going to take forever to get that first deposit and really get your first property. And it does take a while. Mm. Um, I'm not suggesting that it's going to be a, a, you know, get rich quick or you're going to, you know, get into the market in six months. Sometimes you might have to save for two or three or even four or five years to get that first deposit. But the thing is, you've got to look at this on a, on a whole life perspective. And look at your age and go, well, if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? Mm. And if I don't do it, who's going to do it for me? Mm. Nobody. Yeah. 
So you've got to make that decision as to how important this is to you. And obviously, property investing can give you some amazing results over the medium to long term, but it's not a get-rich-quick scheme. Mm. So some people would hear that and kind of hear, oh, you've got to almost deprive yourself of a lot of things. So for those people, kind of what, what would you say to that? And in sort of following from that, what is that difference between, say, like investing money and spending or play money? Mm. Like how do you sort of strike that balance? Because you don't want to have to deprive yourself no. and eat you know, cheap meat all the time. Well, yeah, and when I say cheap meat, I wasn't eating like – the, the gross parts of the animal I was <laughs> no, still no. getting, you know, but I looked out for things that were on sale and, you know, like the shopping, um, the supermarkets will discount meat at a certain point, you know, half price chicken or whatever, because it's the last day before it goes, you know, skanky, you know, I would take <laughs> it home and just cook it straight away, you know, so there's things that you can do there, but um, look, I understand people listening, they're probably going to think, well, I, I don't want to deprive myself from everything. I don't want to live off two minute noodles and things like that. Um, you don't have to. The thing that that I want to point out is that it's completely within your control how you do this. So like I said earlier is if you've got big goals and you want to get this done quickly, Mm. you know, it's like pulling a Band-Aid off, right? You can do it slowly and painfully as it pulls out all of the hairs one by one Mm. or you can do it quickly and just get it over and done with. So you might say to yourself, if I just save and really go hard at this for two years, not forever, but if I have an end date of two years, I'm going to be really careful with my money. Maybe I'm not going to book any holidays for two years. I'm just going to travel locally and do a couple of weekends away, maybe go camping or doing something that's not going to cause you huge financial concerns. And maybe for one year or two years, I'm just going to go really hard, make as much money as I can, maybe do some side hustles, for example, going to save as much as I can and just minimize my expenses. Mm. And you know it's a two-year time frame. Now, two years is just a guide, but you might actually say, I've got these goals and these goals are so important to me, nothing else matters, Yeah. right? And so you might say, I'm going to do everything I can. So I'm going to cut off Netflix. I'm going to reduce my phone plan. I'm going to just all these extra expenses that I don't need, I'm going to get rid of them. And, you know, if you've got a house, a lot of people have got a, a property that they're in, maybe they can rent out a spare room or other things that they can do. But if this is really important to you, then you've got to focus on that goal, right? Not suggesting that you have to eat the two-minute noodles, but there are moments where you might have to just tighten things up a little bit and mm. actually go through that process, and it's not forever. Yeah, I think the thing is, is that you know, through my twenties and and thirties, I was investing, but I was still enjoying my life. I still travelled. I still you know, bought the bought the bottle of wine. I still did the things that I wanted to do. Drove the cars that I wanted to drive, and did the things that I wanted to do. But I I was careful with my money without throwing it away mm. but at the same time I wasn't so much of a tight ass that I did nothing yeah because you still have to enjoy your life you only get one chance mm. right you only get this one life so you still want to enjoy your life but there are ways of getting that balance and everyone's going to be different so it's more so in the sense of getting in the habit of just noticing moments where you can spend less yep. so it's not necessarily like an overall rule you know you find your moments where you can splurge a little bit and then you know maybe set a certain amount of money aside to do that so you don't feel bad about it but it's more but you're saying more so just getting in the habit of kind of becoming aware of those little things where you can cut down and they're not as necessary that's right okay a long time ago i taught myself this little phrase just because you can doesn't mean you should Mm. And that applies to so many things. And it if does. you find yourself at the cash register at Harvey Norman or JB Hi-Fi with some gadget that you probably don't need, just ask yourself the question. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Mm. 
just because it's on sale, right? And it says it was a thousand dollars, now it's seven hundred. You're saving three hundred. You're not actually saving three hundred. Mm. You're spending seven hundred, right? Yeah. <laughs> so just be mindful of these things as well. And look, I think these are this is the delayed gratification. Yeah, the thing that we keep talking about is that you can build yourself a property portfolio that can give you untold wealth. There's insane amounts of money to be built over the long term with property that can buy all of the gadgets that you want, mm. right? And probably by the time you get to that point, the gadgets are going to be a lot cooler and better than mm. they are now, right? In 20 years, we'll have robots that can clean our houses for us and do, you know, washing and <laughs> cooking sort of do, cooking for yeah. us and things like that. But, you know, I think that's the, the point is just because you can doesn't mean you should, yeah. right? So I think the, the key thing to put all of this into perspective is to understand your goals and what's important to you because if the goals aren't strong enough, then these little shiny objects that are going to appear along the way, mm. a discounted laptop or a holiday that's coming up on sale or a new car that's coming out, all of these things are going to distract you from your long-term goals because your goals aren't clear enough in the first place. Mm. So if the goals are really really solid and really clear, then whenever you get these little distractions from all of these companies out there who are trying to get into your bank account, then you have that willpower to say no. Mm. No, I don't need that new car. I can wait and keep my five-year-old car for a little bit longer and I'll upgrade it in a couple of years. Yeah. I don't need a new phone because the one I've had for two years still works, right? Little things that you can make these decisions along the way that are going to help you get into those habits. Like you mentioned, mm. getting into good money habits is really the first step. A lot of people don't want to do that because they're comfortable. Mm. But again, it's, it's finding out how long you need to be uncomfortable for so that you can be more comfortable for the longer term. So speaking of being uncomfortable... A lot of people I know are too embarrassed and do get quite uncomfortable for things to do with asking for a discount. You're not one of those people. Um, so, Luke, when it comes to saving, what do you think is more important, pride and ego or saving money? Well, look, I think it's an obvious answer. Um, pride and ego should not come into it. Um, mm. Whenever you're buying anything, whether it's buying something off off, um, off eBay or off Marketplace or Gumtree secondhand, or if you're buying something at, at you know one of the big retail stores, you are using your money that you've worked for, mm. or you've earned that money in your business or, or in some other way. So handing that money over to somebody is a business transaction. So as far as I'm concerned, a business transaction is purely financial. There's no emotion that comes into it. So if, if somebody's selling something, I should be asking for a discount. Okay. Why should I pay retail price for something? Mm. Right? And my view on this is, again, another, another um, quote that I've had in my head for many years. If you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah, And okay. it, applies, it applies as that. So the same thing is if you go to a store and you're looking at something, look online, see if you can find it cheaper. And then you can present your phone to them in the screen. So again, you've got your little computer in your hand. You can go to the salesperson and say, this store is selling it for $200 cheaper. Mm. And they'll often match it or beat that price. So especially electronics and things like that, consumer goods. You can't really go to Coles and say, milk's on sale over at Woolworths. <laughs> can you match the price? You just yeah. have to go to Woolworths and buy it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but whenever you're buying you know, things like cars and you're buying big ticket items like a, a fridge or a washing machine or a stereo, whatever it might be, mm. look around for the best deal because because going out and finding that could save you hundreds of dollars that you've already worked for. Mm. You've already worked for that money and we're talking about after-tax money. So you've already earned that money and paid tax on it. Yeah. 
Have a burning question you want answered on an upcoming episode? Each month, we take questions from our listeners and put them to our resident expert, Luke Harris. With more than two decades of residential and commercial investment experience under his belt, Luke has seen the best and the worst of the property market. Visit investorintelligence.com.au forward slash questions and ask us today. So going off that, you know, being in a country that's not well known for things like haggling, I think businesses kind of know that they can lean on that and setting a price that they know people are going to pay because most of the time people just don't argue with that. But would you say a lot of people would be surprised that it's not only more available as an option, but you know, a lot of big businesses actually do that because they would rather get the sale than lose out on, you know. They're not, yeah. And I think understanding the business world, if you look at big companies and we're using electronics companies, you know, things like Harvey Normans and, and JB Hi-Fi's and the good guys, a lot, oftentimes they work on a volume basis. Mm. So it's not how much profit they make off each TV. It's how many TVs they sell in a month depends on how much they buy the TVs for next month. So if they sell a certain volume, maybe their their wholesale price becomes a little bit cheaper. So it's not about how much they get on each individual item because it's a fast-moving consumer good. It's something that they're going to keep selling. Mm. They're going to keep selling more of. So whenever you go in and you can actually say to them, is this the best price that you can do? Often they'll say... Look at their computer screen. They go, yeah, that's we can probably knock another ten bucks off. Mm. Great, I've just made ten dollars that I wasn't gonna. That yeah. I wasn't. If you're going to buy the thing anyway, get the best price. Yeah. If you need the thing and you've decided that you're going to make that decision to buy the thing, ask for the best price. Yeah. And then ask if they can do any better. If they can't, that's great. They don't care, mm. right? They're getting paid an hourly rate. Sometimes they're they're getting paid a, a commission on sales rather than you know. I know that a lot of these companies they have. A volume. So if you if you sell, doesn't matter what you sell or how much you sell it for. But if you sell ten thousand dollars a day or twenty thousand dollars a day or thirty thousand, there's different bonuses for the sales team. Mm. So keep that in mind. They don't care how much profit they make on each individual item. It's how much volume they move through the store. Interesting. So those types of things. Again, understanding how that works. Now, when you go and ask for a discount, most of the time people will say no. You go to Meyer or ask at a shop, you know, can I get a discount on this shirt? Often they go, no, it was on sale last week, but it's not now. Mm. Not much you can do about that. Yeah. But if you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. Right? Often you'll find that there's something else that you might not be aware of. I've done this before. I've gone into clothing stores and go, oh, you know, what's what? how much is this? Because I can't find the price tag. Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, this is the price. But if you buy two, it's this price. And it's not mentioned anywhere in the store, but there's some deal or some online special that they've got that you don't know about. Mm. And sometimes just by talking to the salesperson, you can find out, oh, if you buy... If you buy two, you get an extra $50 off or mm, something that's like that. True, yeah. Little things that you can do just by having a conversation with the salesperson. Again, yeah. these people are getting paid to work there most of the time uh, and they don't really care about whether they charge you full price or give you a discount. But mm. people aren't just going to give you a discount because they like you. Right. So you generally have to ask and that's where you have to decide, okay, does my ego is my ego uh, too important to me mm. to ask? Uh, again, you're not doing it to rip off the salesperson or rip off the business. You're just asking, can you do a better price? Mm. Now, if they say no, that's great. You can make a decision whether you want to pay that 
or not pay that. Mm. But the thing is, is getting in that habit. You, know, you can have a bit of fun with it as well. I like yeah. to have a bit of fun with it. It's not, it's not me, uh, you know, having this big negotiation with them across the counter, going, "Well, come on, I want an extra five dollars <laughs> off that TV." Mm. It's literally just asking a casual question: "Can you do a better price?" And generally, the salespeople they they want to help you. Mm. And when they're talking to an individual, knowing that they work for a large company, often they'll side with you as the purchaser because. The salesperson's probably in the same boat. They mm-hmm. want to try and get a good deal on stuff when when they shop as well. Yeah. Uh, so they they can often um, resonate with you when you're looking for a discount. Mm. And the worst they can say is no. The worst they can say is no, and you don't need to feel bad if they say no. Yeah. yeah. It's it's part of your um, your business. Uh, process that you go through when you're purchasing something mm. treat it like a business every purchase that you make like i said you don't do it on milk and things like that at the <laughs> supermarket you can look for the catalogs and do a, five minutes of research online as to you know what's on sale and which shopping um, supermarket you go to mm. but again it's just understanding where things are there is a real stigma about around being a tight ass isn't there like people that do you reckon that's where the embarrassment sort of comes from yeah and and that's fine if people want to have that that stigma that's okay if people would prefer to pay full retail price for everything because they're too embarrassed to ask for a discount yeah. that's okay and businesses know that yeah yeah you know businesses so lean into that if i go into a store and i ask for a discount or if I go into a car dealership and I ask for a discount and they say no, I'm okay with that. Mm. Because five minutes after I've walked away, they've forgotten about me. Yeah. I've forgotten about them. Yeah. And there's no hard feelings because it's a business transaction. Yeah, they don't right? go home, tell their family and their they friends go, oh, about Oh, this guy came in today and asked for a discount on a new car. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not a thing. It's yeah. not something to be worried about. And if your ego is gonna get in the way, then you need to really have a look at at yourself I would say mm-hmm. uh, and you know as an investor you need to be mindful of every dollar that comes into and goes out of your bank account treat your investing like a business yeah and until you get to that point where you are treating your, your investing as a business and you're treating it seriously mm. then you're probably just kidding yourself really mm. if I'm going to be brutally honest if you're going to be a serious investor you need to watch every dollar that comes in and goes out of your bank account yeah be smart with your money Put your ego to the side, get the best deals you can on things. Yeah. And if you do that, every little dollar that you save is another dollar that can go towards your investing. Mm. And of course, investing can compound over time. And you might save $50 a week on your current expenses, but $50 a week really adds up. It's an yeah. extra $2,500 a year. $2,500 a year invested mm-hmm. can give you growth that you can compound on and get even further wealth. Yeah. So, you know, you can always make money, but you can't get the time back. Mm. And be um, start getting comfortable with being uncomfortable just every now and then. Exactly. Yeah. So talking of, you know, things like Coles and Woolworths, I think you've got some really good tips for, you know, things that you can look out for in something as necessary as food shopping. So talk me through that. Look, both, both of the big supermarkets have got apps. And they often have, uh, you know, like your everyday rewards and your flybys and things like that. Mm. Um, you know, you can go onto those apps and they often have specials for their subscribers, right? So here's personalized deals for you. You know, I buy blueberries, right? Mm. I love blueberries. I've got them growing up at Ely Beach now and we got our first blueberries the other day. <laughs> but, you know, often you can pay 5 or $6 for a tub of blueberries. Yeah. They're really expensive. So expensive. Um, but sometimes they have them for $2.50, mm. but it's only on the app. So you have to scan your app when you go to the checkout. 
but on the count on the shelf, it's still five or six dollars. Ah. So they have deals for people that are on their little subscriber list. So taking two seconds to look at your app to see what's on special when yeah. you're going there, you can say, oh, they've actually got blueberries. Mm. Little things like this, people will laugh at this, going, Luke's talking about saving two dollars fifty on blueberries. How ridiculous! But if you'd buy them every week for a yeah. whole year, and that's just one of my products that I buy. Yeah. Now we're yeah. growing them, which is even better. Mm-hmm. In Melbourne, when I was growing blueberries, nothing. Yep. They didn't grow. It was too cold. They hated <laughs> yeah. it. It's up at, at Ely Beach, they love it yep, and they're growing. Lots of sunshine. Mm. Um, but that's the thing. So, you know, every little dollar that you can save actually counts. And it doesn't matter how much wealth I've built or how much money I make. Mm. I'm still going to look for those good deals because I've got in that habit of doing that. Yeah. Now, again... That's not being a tight ass. Nobody even knows. Now everybody knows because they're listening to this. But <laughs> nobody knows that I'm going through my app and I'm going, oh, that's a smart decision. I'm just going to buy that. Mm. You know, that's not something that affects anybody. Nobody even needs to know that you're scanning things through the app. Um, the thing is looking at the catalogs, like I mentioned earlier, things like they've got meat on special. If you know you're cooking for the family on the weekend, you can look at the catalogs. It takes five seconds. Mm. Um, their websites will tell you the prices, what's on special, go and buy uh, there, it's very easy to go to the supermarket without a plan, and just put everything in your in your cart that you need, and then you walk out, and whatever the price is, the price is. Yeah. Right. And often people have done that, and they find they've got two or three hundred dollars. They don't really know how it got that high, but it just did. Yeah. Right. You could find that there's very easily fifty dollars in one shop, especially if you're shopping for a family, just because you weren't smart about it. You yeah. weren't checking the prices. The other thing that you can do, especially in the in the um, shopping centers is that often they have prices for a particular product and with inflation like chocolate's a perfect example mm-hmm. i remember where as a teenager a block of chocolate used to be 250 grams right it's a big block of chocolate mm-hmm. and funny enough the price of a chocolate block is very similar to what it is now and they've done that deliberately because people want to, they want people to be able to afford it yeah so they can get addicted to the sugar and then buy yep. it next time they go yep. shopping, right? But the thing that's happened over time with inflation is the block of chocolate has actually reduced in size. Yeah, yep. They reduced it from 200, 250 grams down to 220. Mm. Then it reduced to 200, then 180. Now they're 160 grams for mm. a block of chocolate. Similar price, but they've reduced how much you get for that price. So one thing that you can look at, it doesn't matter what you're looking at, is the price per 100 grams. So if you're looking at fruit and veggies, for example, or if you're looking at similar products, but there's four to choose from, look at the price per 100 grams. Yeah, okay. Rather than look at the sale price, you might find a $3 product and a $4 product, but you get more per 100 grams with the $4 product. Mm-hmm. So whilst it might be more expensive, you get more value. Yeah, yeah. So understanding these little little tips, there's plenty of websites that you can go to about being frugal with your money and yeah. you know being mindful of all of these things but just little tips like that if you go to the supermarket and you're looking at the price per 100 grams or the price per dozen or the price per whatever mm. you can actually make sure that you're understanding what the real price is yeah for that just because something's cheaper it doesn't mean it's better value and I know someone listening or people listening to this will think oh that's just too much effort but I think if you get in the habit of those little things it. it really just it just becomes habit it's exactly it's, no, it's and no it takes it takes two seconds yeah. you're looking at the price on the on the the little shelf yeah. and it just says the price per 100 grams or the price per whatever yeah and you can actually compare a lot easier rather than just comparing the actual end sale price mm-hmm. uh, again it's just being smart with your money it's your money you've worked for it be smart with it don't mm-hmm. just give it away to these big these big firms again 
be mindful of how these companies operate and yeah. then you can use um, use that information to your advantage. Mm. When I'm going shopping, um, my partner and I, we look at um, you know things like uh, washing powder and dishwashing tablets and all these things that you're going to buy anyway, toilet paper, all these things. They have huge markups on these things. Mm. When you're having a look at um, sales, you often see things at Woolworths and Coles 50% off or 40% off because they're on sale. It's not that they're on sale. They were just priced too high in the first place mm. so that they could put them on sale, mm. right? So the, they're, more attractive. they're still yeah. making a profit, right? Um, so all of the prices are retail prices. They will discount those retail prices. But if you're buying retail, then you're, pre- you're probably paying too much, mm. right? So if you know that you're probably going to use toilet paper in the next 12 months or dishwashing tablets or washing powder. (laughs) Um, You know, if you know that you're going to use these things, look out for them when they're on special. Buy them when they're on special. Yeah. Right. Don't go in and pay retail price when it's 100% asking price. Buy them when they're 40% off or 30% off and stock up on them. So what about then clothes and electrical items, which are sometimes a need? And then other times they're just a want. So what are your tips with sort of striking that balance and knowing when it's a need and when it's a want? Yes. Well, look, if there's some things that you're going to to need because, again, eventually your phone's going to break, you're going to need a new one. Um, same thing with a TV. Well, I've had TVs that have lasted 10 or 12 years and then eventually given them away. Uh, and that's the other thing as well is you know, don't just throw things away. Mm. Try and upcycle or recycle things. Yeah. I hate wastage, right? So if there's yeah. ever yeah. there's ever you know an old electrical item or anything, I try and give it away or recycle it. I just hate wasting things. Um, but one of the things that that I do when I know that I've got a purchase coming up, you know, clothes. Let's say I'm buying a new suit or whatever it might be. Get on mailing lists, right? Mm. You get subscribed to the company's mailing lists and. I've got an email account that I just use for subscriptions, right? A lot of people do because they don't want spam, right? And I go through, if I'm going to Maya to buy some cologne or birthday present, often birthday presents and things coming up for people, um, subscribe to that because then if you're going to that store, just look at your emails and go, oh, well, they sent out an email two days ago saying they've got 30% off this. Mm. So you can scroll through your emails and find out, I'm about to buy this thing or I need a new jacket or I need some new shoes, these are perfect things. You know that you're going to buy them sometime in the next six to 12 months. Mm. If you know you're going to need shoes, get on a mailing list for the shoe company that you like. Yeah, that's a good one. When their yeah. sales come up, then you can go and buy them. Mm. Again, big ticket items, you know, fridges and washing machines, those things as well. If you know that your washing machine's about to kick the bucket yeah. and you need a new one, mm. right? Often, if you're trying to, you know, get ahead, buy a secondhand one. Find someone that's giving one away. Yeah. You don't need a brand new one often, Mm, right? mm. Um, Sometimes if it's, let's say it's your car, for example, and you need your car to get to work, you need your car to be reliable. Mm. If it's a washing machine, you can probably deal with a secondhand one. But if you know it's going to kick the bucket in the next 12 months, get on a mailing list, look out for the one that you want. When it's on special, you can buy it. Yeah. Uh, And often the best time to do that is when you're looking at a particular model for a TV, washing machine, or a fridge is when there's a new one coming out they'll really heavily discount the old one. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's still brand new, mm. but it's just the 2021 or 2022 version because the 23 version's coming out. Yeah. And it's not because there's anything really different. If you look at the new iPhone versus the last one, there's only a couple of little tweaks. Yeah. But the old one is cheaper, mm. right? Because they're trying to get rid of that that older one. It's the same thing when it comes to electronics. But my suggestion for that, get on the mailing list, just subscribe. Often they'll have a uh, discount for new subscribers. Yeah, yeah. Clothing stores are big for that, for example. 
um, you know, 10, 10% off for new subscribers or here's a, a $20 code mm-hmm. for new subscribers, things like that, that they just give away. And again, it's really easy to do it. They yeah. put your email in, they send you a promo code, you put that into the shopping cart and yeah. you've just made $20. Yeah. You know, if it's something that you're going to buy anyway. But that's that's the thing is if you have all of the stores that you buy from, you know, if you like shopping at West Elm or if you like shopping at Kmart or whatever, subscribe to their list and often mm. you'll get things that you won't see anywhere else. I love that tip. I'm definitely going to do that. That's <laughs> good as well because that gets you into the habit of thinking ahead as yeah. well. Yeah. And that, that also applies for things like I mentioned before, things like, you know, dishwashing tablets. They're super expensive. They are, you know, to yeah. go and buy a little bag of those is $45. Mm. But they're always on sale at 50% off at one of the supermarkets. Yeah. Right. So why would you go and pay $45 for something that's $20? You're literally giving away money, yeah. you know, if you're not smart about it. So, again, like you said, thinking ahead is really important. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can go and buy washing powder every fortnight and pay full price or you can try and buy a bigger bucket mm. that's going to last you six months. Mm. And that's a perfect example. If you look at the price per 100 grams or the price per kilo, you can find that it's substantially cheaper mm. to buy it in bulk. And those are the types of things that that make sense when you're yeah. shopping for, especially if you've got a family and there's a lot of people to feed and, and clothe and and keep clean. <laughs> For sure, yeah, definitely. So would you say through everything we've spoken about today, it's not only good to like a good way to learn money habits, but also learning the value of money? Because as I said, I was very lucky when I was younger that I was taught the value of money um, through my dad, but I know so many people who weren't. And again, that's carried over in their life. So now they can't save. They're sort of living paycheck to paycheck and they're really not sort of thinking ahead and that's kind of hindering them. This is part of what we do here at The Property Mentors is to get people to think about the future and think about what's my life going to look like in five or 10 or 15 or 20 years time. Mm -hmm. And really this, this, you know, being a tight ass is is a very small part of this overall wealth creation plan. Um, being, Being aware of where your money is at any point in time, how much you've got in your bank account, how much you get paid, where your um, where your money's going. Like I said, putting a budget together and knowing that really first step. But for people that haven't been through that process of really understanding their money, all this, it just it all just seems too hard. Mm. I'm never going to get ahead. My rent's too high. My I don't get paid enough. These are things that you can control. Mm. Now. When I was younger, I, I I was growing up, and you know, mum and dad gave me two dollars to wash the car. Um, I mowed the lawn because I liked it. I should have asked for money. Yeah. Um, but you know, <laughs> for those that have that have read um, my books, you'll see that I went to you know the local swap meet and sold things. I had garage sales, and you know, had the bulk rubbish collection. You know, around the suburb, people throwing away chairs and tables, mm. and I'd go on. That's perfectly good chair. I can <laughs> I can sell that. So I'd drag it back to the garage, and mum and dad are like, "What is this kid doing?" <laughs> and I've been like that forever, and they know that. Mm. Um, but you know, th- those sorts of things is you know. There is value in in that sort of stuff. So I thought, well, hey, I can sell that and I sold yeah. a chair for ten dollars. You know, so being aware of your money and also looking at options to to um, to make more money. So if you're on a fixed salary and you really do want to get ahead, you know, sometimes people will say, well, I'm not going to work a part time job. I don't want to do that. I'm I'm better than that. Mm. Uh, or I'm not going to drive Uber. That's for that's for other people. Mm. You know, um, for me, that's your ego getting in the way. You know, if you really want to get ahead, like I said, look 5, 10, 15, 20 years, where, where are you at now? And we're in a really good country. 
right, to be able to, we're in one of the, I would say we're in the best country in the world mm. to be able to to do these things. Um, we've got a fantastic uh, environment. People that move here from overseas come to Australia and they grab it by the horns and they go, right? Yeah. They set up businesses and they take advantage of, of the opportunities here. And I think we've, often us uh, Australians, we've grown up with, a really good environment for um, for work and you know really good healthcare and all of these things, the ability for us to go and earn an extra bit of cash if we want to, um, on you know things like Airtasker or you know even Airbnb if you've got a spare room, find a way to get an extra bit of money mm. to get you ahead. If you can save, if you make an extra hundred dollars a week, it's an extra five thousand dollars a year. Mm. If you can save a hundred dollars a week, that's out of your current budget. That's great. There's two hundred dollars a week, mm. and if you can save fifty dollars on expenses you're already paying for, there's two hundred fifty dollars a week you just found. Yeah, and it might not necessarily mean that it's a huge sacrifice for you. And keep in mind, it's not forever. So if you're going through this process of saying, "Well, look, I'm going to knuckle down for a couple of years and really save a yeah. deposit," that's that's something that's going to help you for the rest of your life. So yes, short term pain, long term gain. But the thing is, if you don't do this, no one's going to do it for you. Mm. And having people like mentors here at the Property Mentors to guide you through this process, keep you accountable, keep you on track for that long-term goal, these little tweaks that you make and these little sacrifices you make now can pay dividends into the future. And, you know, investing's for life. Yeah. Once you actually get started with your investing, it's super exciting to see what you can do. And the change that we've seen in some of our mem- members over the last, you know, five to 10 years has been insane mm. for people that have actually thought, I can't do this. I can't invest in property. I'm not going to get ahead. I've been saving for all this time and I'm just, I'm frustrated. I'm not getting ahead. But what's the alternative? Mm. The alternative is you continue to work and keep doing what you're doing. Mm. And that's what they say, the definition of insanity, you know, doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't do it, no one's going to do it for you. So ask for help. If you think this is too hard or if you don't know where to get started or how do I even how do I even review my numbers, how do I do a budget, all of these things are available to you. Google it, find out how to do it. Yeah. Right. And focus your energy and your time on learning these things. I think that's a really good point to make is if, if people want to get better at something like saving I think people just get in their head like, oh, I'm just bad at it, full stop. But you, you don't have to do it by yourself. There are people that can help you with that. That's right. And look, you don't you don't need to pay a third-party company mm. to do the budget for you. There's companies out there that will do a budget for you, but they charge you for that. Mm. Right? There's government websites that you can go to that teach you how to budget your money. Yeah. Right. And there's spreadsheets and, and formulas on there that will calculate it and you can find out where your money's going. Shop around for different electricity providers. Shop around for gas providers. Look at where you can save money on fuel because fuel's a big thing. Mm. Fuel fuel prices can vary by five or ten cents a litre. Yeah. All of these little things that you do, just being smart with your money. You've worked hard to earn every dollar that you have in your bank account. Make sure that you're not just giving that away. Yeah. So I know we've jumped around quite a lot on the call today, but there's mm. a lot of different things that come into this with, um, you know, being a tight ass. But being a tight ass is, is, a, is a, a cheeky name that you give yourself, mm. not that someone else is going to give you. Yeah. So any last tips? I know there's one in particular that you and I have spoken about off air before. Um, it's the win theory. Yep. Yeah. So the win, win theory is just something that really sort of encapsulates everything that we've covered on the call today is making more money, saving money, delayed gratification, making sacrifices, and just really doing um, – W-I-N, whatever is necessary, mm. right? It's the win theory. 
um, to win, you've got to do whatever is necessary. Yeah. And it doesn't mean, like I said, eating two-minute noodles. But it also doesn't mean going out fine dining every week. Right. It's finding the balance that suits you on where you sit as far as how badly do you want to achieve your goals and what are you prepared to do to get there. Yeah. Now, like I said, with the Band-Aid idea, you can either have a short period of time where you go really hard at saving and earn as much money as you can and, and do whatever is necessary to achieve those goals. If you don't want to do that, no one's going to force you to do it, mm. right? But this is the thing is if you really want to achieve these goals and you've got this burning desire to become successful, no matter what you do, whether it's in property or shares or however you want to invest your money, do whatever is necessary yeah. and make those short-term sacrifices for that long-term gain. If you talk to anyone that's been investing in property for a long time, they will tell you that they had to make sacrifices to get there. It's very difficult to go and do first-class travel around the world, buy fancy cars and yachts and big homes, and build your portfolio at the same time. Unless you're one of those rare people that's on half a million dollars a year and you've got so much money to burn, it's not funny. Mm. But most people are not earning that, and they don't have excess cash to throw around. And a lot of people listening to this are going to be living paycheck to paycheck and really want to know, how do I get ahead? Now, being a tight ass, like I said, that's a name you give yourself. It's not something that you are not a tight ass as a person. Mm, mm. You are doing whatever is necessary for you. Stop thinking about and worrying about what other people think of you by asking for a discount or telling your friends, no, you can't go out for dinner, let's cook at home. Mm. Or bringing a bottle of wine instead of going, you know, going out. Yeah. Little things like that. You tell people you've got goals that you want to achieve. You're working hard on this and don't follow the crowd. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's okay to be different. It's okay to be a tight ass. It's okay to ask for discounts. It's okay to save money on things. Mm. It's also okay to give it away. Sure. Yeah. There's plenty of businesses out there that will take your money. Yeah. <laughs> there's plenty of places that will take your money. And there's a quote that I read many, many years ago, a fool and his money or a fool and their money are easily parted. Mm. So, you know, that that's a very old quote, um, you know, and it makes perfect sense. Yeah. You want money to give away, somebody will be there mm. to take it from you. Yeah, uh, and, and so, you know, you need to be in control of, of your finances, understand where your money is going, and, and really do whatever is necessary because the results from investing in property and building long-term wealth are so powerful and they can give you so many options that you never thought possible. Mm. And some of the members that we work with here at the Property Mentors that have gone through that process and are now financially, really financially free. Mm-hmm. Uh, being financially free, financially independent is something that gets, it's a term that gets thrown around quite a lot. But if you really think about what that means, it means you don't have to worry about money. Yeah, Having the time and the money to do what you want to do when you want to do it is hard to really describe that feeling. Yeah. yeah. And not many people achieve it. Mm. But even if you get close to that and you can improve your financial situation on from where you're at today over the next two, five, ten years or more, it's going to improve over time. But you've got to take a slow and steady approach to it. And that means learning those money habits, implementing it into your day-to-day life and sticking to your long-term goals. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of that and sort of breaking down a few of those um, stigmas. So thank you for breaking that down. I know a lot of people are going to find that really helpful because, as I said, I know so many people who just who, who need these tips. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, thank you, Luke, for your time today. No worries. Thanks, baby. If you found this episode or any of our episodes helpful, please make sure to share and leave a rating to help us reach more people on their investing journeys. 
And of course, subscribe to be notified when new episodes drop. Make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Investor Intelligence Podcast. You can find links to our other socials in the show notes, including a link to the Property Mentors weekly blog. If you're ready to get your property portfolio in shape for financial freedom, check out Luke's latest book, Property Fit. You can get yourself a copy at www.propertyfitbook.com.au.